It is Friday, October 20th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. Jags beat the Saints to kick off week seven. And the Astros even things up in the ALCS. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Jags get a 31-24 win in New Orleans to kick off Week 7. Diamondbacks a 2-1 walk-off winner over the Phillies. Astros route the Rangers 10-3, even up the ALCS. Yeah, we'll have plenty of time to talk Major League Baseball. We're going to talk some UFC 294 later on, but we got to start with Thursday night football where the Jacksonville Jaguars looked like they were in control of the game early and Saints had a chance to uh, to at least tie it up at the end. Foster Moreau probably uh, was up late last night, mm-hmm. is my guess, mm-hmm. after dropping a wide-open touchdown on third and goal. They do not convert on fourth and goal. And the struggles on offense, I mean, I guess 24 points for the Saints, they probably, they probably feel good about that. But in key moments, the Saints offense just didn't show up. There was a lot of barking back and forth between Derek Carr and the OC. It's just a... Uh, it's a struggle right now for the Saints. The Saints have never won a game when trailing by 15 or more points after three quarters. They were 0-135 all time. When I saw that tweet, I said, they're going to win this game, and it's going to be 1-135. <laughs> well, now it's 0 and 136. So uh, 31-24 is the final. Derek Carr throws for 301 yards, a touchdown and an interception. And, yeah, that play to Foster Moreau there on third down, he's got to catch that. That's a touchdown. I'm curious if Dennis Allen would have gone for two or not at the end of the game to get the win or go into overtime. But the other thing I, – I think with all the momentum they had, I think you could make an argument for going to overtime. Like, like you said, they were down, like getting their asses kicked. They'd scored, you know, what, 18 consecutive points or something. I wouldn't have hated them for, for you know, kicking the extra point mm-hmm. and, and taking it to overtime because they had everything rolling for them. I understand that should have been caught on fourth down uh, – on third down, but that was the fourth down play that yeah, you Yeah, not run, a great play like call. Like a stupid little route. That, that play was not run to be successful. That play was run – to try and get a penalty. I think so. Yeah, and then they didn't get the flag. And, and then when you get the flag, the maybe result. maybe you do a tush-push with Taysom Hill at the one-yard line if you get the flag there. But it just felt like that play had no chance of being a completion to Olave. It didn't make sense there. Also, what didn't make sense, speaking of a potential tush-push to Taysom Hill or whatever, like you have three timeouts and you have the ball down by the goal line. You don't attempt one rush. Yeah. You don't you don't put Taysom Hill as the Wildcat quarterback and and try something. It's first and goal from the sixth yard line. You went incomplete pass, incomplete pass, incomplete pass, incomplete pass. Like you have time, you have timeouts, so it's yeah. not like you're worried about the time. You used a timeout. Well, you're an elite passing team. No. Oh. If no, you were worried, right. if you were if you were concerned about the time, then you, why did you use a timeout before third down? Because when you use that timeout before third down, you eliminated any leeway that you had, right? Because let's say they had three timeouts and you don't get the fourth down. All right, well, there's 30, 25 seconds left, but, hey, you got three timeouts. 
maybe you get maybe you force them to punt and anything could happen. Maybe it's a snap that uh, a botch snap, or if you're Jacksonville at that point, they probably take an automatic safety, right? Yeah. Make it 31-26 and then punt the ball off with four seconds left or whatever. I don't know. Uh, there's a lot of things that could have happened. But when you took that timeout at the end there, you were saying, this is it. We're going to – we don't need – time is not a factor here. Two plays to get into the end zone. They did run a perfect play on third down after the timeout, so I'm not going to blame them for that. But I just felt you got to run something there. And listen, we can talk about that final possession all we want, but there was a whole lot of game that was played yeah. for that final possession where the Jaguars just – they it wasn't like um, – it, it was a performance where it, it kind of surprised me a little bit. Trevor Lawrence running as much as he did certainly surprised me. Uh, And the Saints defense allowing the the run yards after the catch was very surprising. I mean, Christian Kirk had no business scoring that touchdown. No, he he moves so slow. It's like he's in slow motion, and and he still was able to just carve through that defense. Yeah, very very frustrating if you're a Saints fan because – it, it felt like there were multiple times that plays were happening and the defense that had been so stout all year just wasn't able to make simple stops. So how good is this Jaguars team? It's hard to say to me. Like I, I, I'm not the person to ask because I keep thinking they're going to, they're going to find a down spot. I thought, oh, back-to-back games in London, they come home, play a division game, mm-hmm. handle their business. Now they got to go on the road uh, out week. of conference, a short week. This is a great fade spot. And they, they handled business once again. So maybe they're better than I thought they are. Like they're, Maybe they're one of these teams that's better than the sum of their parts because I, I don't know what they're great at. I, I think they're pretty good at stopping the run, although mm-hmm. the Saints had a little success last night. I, I don't think they're all that great against the pass. Uh, Derek Carr just wasn't able to take advantage of it. I, I'm not sure where they're at. I, I, I guess in their division, they, they've got, they're, they're better than the other teams in their division. I don't think that says a whole lot. You're up 24-9 going into the fourth quarter, and you blow that lead. This was almost an epic collapse by the Jaguars. But then Christian Kirk with the 44-yard catch and run, it saves your entire – it saves the entire game. Because let's say he gets tackled there after the catch or he doesn't – they don't score a touchdown on that drive. They don't score a field goal on that drive. I mean, let's I mean, call for what it is. The Saints did drive the ball all the way down to the six-yard line with a chance to tie the game. If that possession was for a chance to either win the game or to tie the game with a field goal – then maybe we're talking about the Jaguars a little differently if they lose this game blowing a 24-9 lead going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, it's just it's kind of like we talked about the Packers after they came back against the Saints. Like, it feels like their whole identity would be different. If the Saints were able to complete this comeback, I'd look at them differently. And now I just say, man, when is this team going to figure it out? This team's supposed to be on the – like, they're supposed to be one of the best teams in that, in that division. They were supposed to be a potential playoff team. The more I look at it, I don't know who's good in the NFC South. I don't know if anyone's good in the mm-hmm. NFC South. I, we've seen some flashes from the Bucks. I guess we've seen some flashes from the Saints defense, though it wasn't around last night. Uh, we saw some early flashes from the Falcons, but those look like they're fading fast, and the Panthers are just garbage. I, I, there's going to be a playoff team out of that division. I just don't know who it is or if they have any prayer whatsoever come playoff time. Well, both teams will enjoy the extended break now. The Saints will be at the Colts. Next week in week eight, the Jaguars are at the Steelers. Let's run through the NFL Sunday week seven slate. Mackenzie Rivers joining us, setting the stage for the action on Sunday. Let's go 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 o'clock Eastern. All these lines are brought to you by the DraftKings Sportsbook. Let's go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're two and a half point favorites hosting the Falcons. I gave out a play on the Dream Pod 
on the Bucks in the first half. Because the Falcons now, with another non-cover in the first half last week, under Desmond Ritter, they are 0-10 against the first half spread. They have failed to cover the first half spread by 6.4 points per game. And that's even with scoring 10 points in the first half last week. So we have a, a, a Bucks team that's minus 1.5 at home in the first half. That's my best bet on this game. Yeah, I, I like the Bucks here coming off the the blowout loss. Uh, I think they're just a better team overall, and this line says they're even. Uh, Tampa is better in every DVOA metric, and it's offense, defense, special teams, you name it, they're better. And they're, this is one of the few teams that Tampa, you can safely say, they've got a quarterback advantage in this game. So I, I think that's important against this Falcons team that is terrible against the pass, 29th in pass defense, and Road Ritter. Uh, road Falcons in general. The Falcons have been outside of Atlanta twice this season. They've been outscored by 15 points per game. I, again, I, I think the, the Bucks are the better team on a neutral, so anything under a field goal I, I think is value on Tampa. Yeah, Baker Mayfield 13th in our quarterback composite, Desmond Ritter 30th. Next up, we got the Bears hosting the Raiders. No Jimmy G, and the line has moved. The Bears are now only a two-and-a-half-point favorite hosting the Raiders. So it's Tyson Bagent against Brian Hoyer. Gross. That's a fun game. Yeah, I I don't know what to think about this game. I mean, if if the Bears are still having issues, like Roshan Johnson didn't practice again, like the the Bears are just a mess. This this is a spot where it feels like the Raiders should be able to handle business. Mm -hmm. But do I trust Brian Hoyer as a three point road favorite? So Brian Hoyer has two and a half now. Two and a half. You're right. Hoyer's made three starts since 2018. And his teams are 0-3 straight up, 1-2 against the spread in those games, scoring 24 points, 12 points, and 10 points. I just don't want to watch this football game. I don't think I'm going to have any uh, real American dollars on it. Up next, Cleveland is a three-point road favorite. Money's come in on them. They are at Indianapolis. Has money come in on them because Deshaun Watson's back practicing? I think that, that's got to be, be why. Yeah, right? There's, there's optimism that I guess he can play, right? Was throwing the ball at practice today. But here's the thing. Whoever plays quarterback this year, the Browns are 28th in yards per play. They've been a mm-hmm. bad offense with Deshaun. They've been a bad offense with DTR, P.J. Walk. It doesn't matter. They're not a very good offense. I like the under in this game, under 40. Browns games have gone under, and it probably goes up a little with Deshaun. If Deshaun plays, I imagine it does go up. I think there will be even added value if it go, ticks up to 41, 42. But all the, all the Browns games but one have gone under 40 points, and the one that didn't was the Steelers game where they scored two defensive touchdowns. You're not putting points up on this Browns defense, and the Browns offense is just not very good. So it, the Colts, solid on defense. Uh, the, the Cleveland runs at a top five rate in the league, and that's Indy's strength on D. And Gardner Minshew under pressure, we we saw last week. Gardner Minshew's just not very good, you know. Mm-hmm. The, the thought, and I'm not sure he's not equal to Anthony Richardson, but that doesn't mean that he's good. So I, I think this is a, a grimy old school game. Gardner Minshew against a historic defense, because yep. that's how good the Browns are. They are on a historic level right now. Uh, I just I can't trust it. It's Browns or nothing for me. Cleveland Browns by EPA. Offense, dead last, 32nd. Defense, we all know, number one in the league. Next up, the Ravens, who are also very good defensively, not so good offensively so far this season. They are hosting the Detroit Lions. They are three-point favorites. It's funny you said that. I feel like – maybe I'm wrong. I feel like the Ravens' offense is about to take a jump. Like, the two weeks ago they had all those drops. They yep. were dropping touchdowns. They could have had, like, 150 more yards of offense – 
Last week, they, they moved the ball at will, but then they just got stuck in the red zone. They couldn't finish their drives. I think they're about to finally break through. Everybody on the Dream Pod loved the Lions. I just kind of sat back by myself in the corner and said, eh, maybe I'm just not falling in love with this Lions team. They've won four straight against teams that I just don't think very highly of. And the Ravens, one of the best pass defenses you know, per DVOA. We're talking about a windy day. There, there's up to 20, 25-mile-an-hour winds. Jared Goff playing outdoors. We all know that's not a great thing. And there's no running backs right now for this team. We assume Gibbs might play. He's the one guy that might play. And if he does, he's banged up. So we're putting everything on Jared Goff. That's scary to me. I, I, Scott, I'll let you give the Lions defense because I know you're. most people seem to be on that side. I'm leaning the other way. Yeah, the fourth most points per game scored in the NFL, but their defense is what's really driving the conversation. Third in DVOA, fourth against the run, eighth against the pass. This team is for real. And you have a Ravens team that is coming home from London without a bye. We've seen it now 14 or 13 times. This is the 14th time a team is doing it. Only last week, the Jaguars were the only team of the 13 to not be tied or trailing in the fourth quarter yeah, of the those Jaguars games. were a monster underdog to be, a, to be tied or, or trailing in the fourth quarter, and they got there. It's the only team that did it because, you know, they Wait, played. Jag, Jags they were, were tied. tied in the fourth quarter. Yeah, they were no, tied. No, last week? Last week. Okay, oh, last yeah, week. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah okay. last week, coming home from London. I'm saying that I was 13, thinking about last night. No, 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 no. Yesterday they were, yeah. 13 times prior, yeah. a team has played in London and come back without a bye. Yeah. And the Jaguars were the first team. They dominated the Colts. They were the first team that wasn't trailing or tied in the fourth quarter. So I worry about the Ravens. Remember, they made so much about the trip and when they were going. They made sure they went out there early because they struggled the last time they went out there late. And so I think now coming home, I think it has a little effect on them. And I just like this Lions team. Jared Goff, I understand he's different on the road than he is at home. But he is the most profitable quarterback in the NFL against the first half spread in the last two seasons, 17, five and one in the first half. He's covered five first halves in a row. Maybe lions plus a couple of points in the first half is the way to go. Maybe a tired Ravens team early. I like the lions too. I'm just not in love with the lions. And I feel like the market is in love with the lions. Well, I, I, it's like, listen, I love the lions. I'm just not in love with the Lions. Okay, yeah, okay. that's where I'm at. Like, uh, <laughs> if I were Fez, I would say the Lions are a seven. <laughs> so he would hug you. Uh, yeah, yeah. Jared Goff, number one in the NFL in PFF grade. You know who number two is? Um, who? That's not going to get in ten guesses. Do it, Purdy. Lamar Jackson. Oh wow, yeah, I wouldn't have gotten that. Matchup. Next up, the Patriots host the Bills. The Patriots are now a nine-point home dog. I picked the Bills on the Dream Pod, and I was surprised, AJ, that you didn't because you're always the one that says that the Bills are bullies yeah. and they beat up on bad teams. And I hate to say it to the Bill Belichick apologizers, but the Patriots are an awful football team. Yeah, I, I worry what I've seen out of Josh Allen the last couple weeks, and I worry that his shoulder and him saying, oh, it's fine. It reminds me of last year when his elbow was quote-unquote fine and he just wasn't a very good quarterback for about a five-week span. So I, I'm worried about laying a big number on the road with an offense that I don't feel super good about right now. But where, are the, Patriots the, Jags. where are the Patriots getting any points from? That's a good question. Well, the, the dam's got to burst on this Bills defense eventually. You can't lose three of your best defensive players in a two-week span for mm -hmm. the season and just continue to be great defensively. They, I mean – this might not be the week where the damn bursts. It didn't burst last week against the Giants because the Giants' offense is terrible. This but, but Patriots' me, offense me, is probably worse. Let me ask you a legit question, okay? 
What's the lowest amount of points you can see the Bills scoring in this game? 17. Okay. Do the Patriots score a touchdown? I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't think they do. Uh, I, I really don't think they do. So, Mac Jones is 1-4 and four against the Bills. The one win was that wind game where he only had to yeah, throw three, three passes. And Josh Allen is 7-2-1 and one ATS against the Patriots. The average score. And that one loss is the, the Bills. Yeah. The average <laughs> score in those other four games was 35-18 to 18 Bills, and Mac Jones threw seven picks in mm-hmm. those four games. He is awful against Buffalo, but again, this isn't the same Buffalo defense they've they've seen the last couple of 45 years. 45 of the 59 career wins for Josh Allen have been by at least a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, you're certainly right about them being. They, the they, don't, they don't play tight games. They, or they don't win tight games. They look to blow bad yeah. teams out, but they didn't do that last week. Mm-hmm. And that, that worries me a little bit. But maybe, again, that was the, the London hangover. Yep. They haven't covered in 13 games with Mac Jones as an underdog. Tough scene. The Giants, they are two point. Speaking of terrible offenses. <laughs> yeah, the Patriots 31st in offense. The Giants, who the Bills played last week, 30th. Two of the worst teams in the league. Good team to get your defense set against. The Giants are home underdogs. Two and a half points. They're hosting the Commanders. I think we're getting the Giants at the absolute bottom of the market here. And no one wants to back them right now. Nope. But they looked way less clunky last week with Taylor at quarterback. I'm not sure who's going to play this weekend. I don't think the Giants are even sure who's going to play this weekend. But I'll be honest, I'd rather see Tyrod Taylor because I know he's not going to make the huge mistake. And when you're playing a dog, that's kind of what you want. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be Taylor because Jones is still not cleared for contact. And I, if he does get cleared, it's, it's not going to be enough time to get him ready. I've been saying I like this offense a lot better when Saquon Barkley's on the field. Yeah. And it looked – I mean, they just looked less inept a week ago. You didn't see 100 sacks. You didn't see them, like, just throw – like, fumbling the ball all over the place. And I know the Giants are terrible. They're 1-5. That's objectively bad. But it's Buffalo, Miami – Dallas, San Francisco, Seattle. We expected them to lose all of those sure. games. They get, those teams are all better than the Giants. The Cardinals, the, the the Washington has beat the Cardinals, the Broncos, and the Falcons. Like, and now all of a sudden they're oh, this team's should be a a two and a half point road favorite. But at what point does this now get to the Giants? Uh, it just felt like last week was their give-it-all game. Nothing. Fighting for their head coach and Brian Dable, who used to coach for the Bills, who is from the Buffalo area, homecoming for him. They they pl- the, That's the best that defense has looked all season, and they still lost the game because of their ineptitude on offense. But listen, the Giants a couple weeks ago made Justin Fields look like Peyton Manning, and they continued to play football. That's what these guys do. They're professionals. They're going to keep fighting – I just I can't get to the the, the Giants being two and a half points worse in their building mm-hmm. than this Commanders team, which I don't think very highly of. Giants have played the toughest schedule to date so far in the NFL. Washington's played the twenty seventh toughest. I just think that the Giants were, were undervaluing them because they've played a bunch of really good teams. What do you think about the Giants' home field advantage at this exact moment? They don't have any. It's not. That's, it's that's, not much. that's yeah. my thinking. Yeah. They're generally a good road team. The Seahawks host the Cardinals. Uh, money has come in on the dog here. We're now looking at Seahawks only minus seven and a half. Was eight and a half earlier in the week? The fighting Josh Dobbs is yes. Kyler Murray He's back. Job. Yeah, Kyler Murray back at practice. So maybe you get yeah. Maybe this is uh, one of those like uh, win a game and feel good about yourselves, and then have Kyler Murray come back. This offense since James Conner left it has gone from bad to just incredibly dreadful, and. They're not getting the first down runs for four or five yards and and putting themselves in a, a manageable position. 
they can't handle third and long. And Seattle's the number one team in rush defense per DVOA. So that means you're going to force Josh Dobbs to beat the Seahawks. I like your chances with Seattle. Uh, Dobbs just played his two worst games of his season uh, where he completed less than half his throws in those two games through three picks. His QBR, like his uh, average QBR for those games was 13. I mentioned on the Dream Preview, the second half is what I like in this. Uh, Seattle minus three and a half in the second half. I mean, when the spread went down, maybe maybe it dropped down to three. I don't know. But I I already betted at three and a half. I like it there because Arizona's lost the second half in five of these six games. Once the script is gone, they have to rely on their talent. And I think this is truly the least talented team in the NFL. They've been outscored by 11 points per game in the second half this season. Uh, so I, I like the Seahawks here to to kind of overwhelm them late. Here's an interesting nugget. In 57 career starts, Geno Smith has never closed as a favorite of seven or higher. Ooh, I think and he gets it this week. He's only covered one game in his career as a favorite over four points. Well, he played for the Jets for a long time. Yeah, how many games that is makes that? Sense. That makes sense. <laughs> he's one in four ATS as a favorite of over four. But yeah. Uh, he wrote him off, but he did not write he back. He did not write back. <laughs> SoFi Stadium is next. The Rams are three-point favorites over the Steelers. Minus 112 for some interested parties. There's some money. A little bit of money coming in on the Rams. This was my favorite play of the of the week on the Dream Pod. I think yours too, right, Mac? Yes, five-star. Um, Five-weight. I think Pittsburgh, if they're not the worst offense in the league, they're certainly in the discussion. Kenny Pickett is 32nd in QBR out of 33. He's better than Bryce Young. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Uh, they are also 31st in rush DVOA. So they can't throw it. They can't run it. The Rams, I, I think they're slightly above average. I think our preseason perception of the Rams was, yeah, they've got some talent. They've got a few talented guys, but those guys always get hurt. And they started out the season with Cooper Cup on the IR. It's like, see, this is what it was. Right now, Aaron Donald's healthy. Cooper Cup's healthy. Matt Stafford's healthy. This is a healthy team right now. I like what they're doing. Uh, I, I think Matt Stafford, a healthy Matt Stafford, is one of the 10 best quarterbacks in the league. And I don't know how Kenny Pickett keeps up with that. I said this on the Dream Pod. The Raiders were three-point home favorites against the Steelers in week four. Mm-hmm. Now the Rams are three-point home favorites. You, the Raiders and Rams aren't even in the same discussion. Like, the the Rams are significantly better than the Raiders. No doubt. So, I think we're just getting a, a great number here. See, the Steelers are plus seven in their three wins and turnovers. Like, they could easily be and f- or 1-4 or 0-5 and with a couple, tur- a couple fewer turnovers. So, uh, to me, this is like – Fezzik's power ratings even had Pittsburgh minus three, Rams plus a half. Again, the Rams don't get a whole lot of home field, but any that you're giving them here is gravy. So, Rams minus three is my favorite play this week. Any worry about Mike Tomlin coming off the bye? I mean, the Steelers last year with a huge improvement in their offense after the bye. Maybe they fix something. I mean, maybe. I I, I guess last year. Like, yeah, but whatever they fixed last year, you think they would keep that up for the season? I mean, that was yeah. the plan. That was their new if, offense. If, yeah, if they fixed it, it's not fixed because Kenny Pickett's still a quarterback and he still stinks. So, I, I, I don't believe. I mean, listen, I like Mike Tomlin in these spots where. Uh, the world thinks he has got no chance. I don't think that's the case here. Pittsburgh is, I mean, they're in first place in their division or tied for first, right? Right. A- and they're like, if they were playing the Ravens or the Browns this week, I'd say, oh, here we go. But no, they're playing a three and three NFC team. This isn't like a spot where Mike Tomlin is, let's go, let's let's show everyone. I mean, this is a, a team that most people didn't, didn't even think had a chance to make the playoffs coming into this season. This can't be a hype Pittsburgh spot. I don't see that. 
The Steelers are minus 6.2 points per game, and there's three and two somehow. No other three and two team has a losing scoring margin. They've lost by 30 points this season, Oof. 31 points. Yeah, I love the Rams here. I think this is an easy one. All right, where are heading next? The Chiefs, five-and-a-half-point favorites hosting the Chargers. The market is so tired of the Chargers, and I get it. I'm tired of trying to defend the Chargers, uh, and I'm not going to do that here. Mm-hmm. I think they'll, they'll probably lose again. But what the Chargers are is a team that doesn't get blown out. They lose nearly every game by three points. It's like one point, three points, four points, three points, one point. It's – it's very sad in a way that they can't ever get over that hump, but they're always there. And particularly against this Chiefs team, five and one ATS since Herbert's been with the Chargers, plus five margin in those games. The only ATS loss was the overtime loss last year as three point dogs. They lose by six in overtime, but they're clearly even with them for the whole game. This Chiefs offense is not as good as we thought it was. Still, they haven't they haven't found that answer yet. They're scoring 24 and a half points per game. If you're telling me, and that's consider this 24 and a half points per game, they've played the Broncos and the Bears, two of the worst defenses in the league, mm-hmm. and they're still at 24 and a half points per game. If the Chargers hold them to 24, do we see the Chargers like not covering five and a half here? I can't picture that. It's fair. Uh, it's fair. And Justin Herbert does have good numbers uh, as a dog, um, as a dog of five or more. He's 7 0. Seven and zero against the spread. That's what he does. Like he doesn't get blown out. As a, he, dog, a dog of over a field goal. He's ten and one. If he's going to get blown out, it's going to be by some team that we thought he was going to beat. That, that's what Justin Herbert is. Yeah, and Mahomes and the the, the Chiefs actually don't have that great of a record uh, as a favorite, and don't have that great of a record ATS in the division. It's a team that is close in every game. Versus a team who has no interest in covering big numbers. Yeah, and also, you know, you talk about Andy Reid on the extended rest and how amazing he is. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid together have played 14 times on extended rest. They're 13-1 and straight up. That's fantastic because that's what Andy Reid does after a bye. 7-7 and ATS. But if you told me they win the game... They're going to cover 60, 70% of the time. I mean, it's a pretty tight window when you talk about one to five points. But it's not. It's 50. Oh, well, overall, it's 50. Yes, yeah. but those lines are, are, are much higher than what you're seeing here in this game. I think the Chiefs' offense is kind of sneaky all right. They're fourth in EPA, and they have that game against the Jaguars where they kneel down on the one. Mm-hmm. They have the game against the Vikings where they're kind of kneeling down at the end of the game. I feel like uh, this was three and a half last year. I feel like the Chargers are two points, way more than two points worse net-net. Mm-hmm. To the Chiefs, uh, now that we've seen them, I, I, the I feel like the Chiefs aren't the same team as they were last year either, though. Like, I, I, I they're mean, five and one. That's better than Mahomes' career no, yeah, winning percentage. Right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Next game, we have the Packers. This was RJ's best bet. They are at Denver. Denver is minus one. RJ likes the Packers. Yeah, I. It, it seems Packers like, coming off the bye. Yeah, that's a, certainly an advantage, but. I don't want to back either of these teams right now. I don't like either of these teams. I don't like either quarterback. Russell Wilson, when you blitz him now, he like he turns into like this little like uh, it's like one of those on Mario. You know when the turtle goes into a <laughs> and he just hopes that you don't kick him and roll him down the highway. That like that's what Russell Wilson does anytime you blitz him now. And Jordan Love, who the first couple games were like, man, maybe Jordan Love's got something. Jordan Love's looked so bad the last few weeks. Maybe the bye gets something right. Maybe playing the, the Broncos defense fixes Jordan Love. I could see that happening. Although, the, the Broncos just held the Chiefs to 19 points. And wind-assisted or not, I, that's pretty solid, I would think. Um, I 
I don't trust Green Bay enough to make them a road favorite, but I also want nothing to do with the Broncos right now. So I, this is a stay-away game for me. Yeah, to me, it's Packers or pass just because of how historically bad the Broncos' defense is. Like, they're allowing opponents' completion percentage, 76.4%, the highest in the Super Bowl era through six games, and the 5.6 yards per carry that they're allowing, tied for second most in the Super Bowl era yeah. through six they're games. They're so bad. They're the anti-Browns. Over over 53% of their opponent's drives are ending in scores. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's unbelievable. This is a historically bad defense. Their offense would be good if they were the anti-Browns, though. That's, yeah, that's true. Their yeah. offense is... That's fair. Bottom third. Yeah, it's not good. Mm-hmm. Sunday night football. This is the one everyone will be watching. Oh, the yeah, Philadelphia yeah. Eagles, now two-and-a-half-point favorites, hosting the Miami Dolphins. I'm curious where you're at on this one, Scott. I'm going to put my money where my mouth is because I've said... The Dolphins aren't elite yet. Their defense isn't good enough for them to be in the elite conversation. I think the Eagles, who you know won the NFC last year, were a split second away from winning the Super Bowl, also elite. So this line, Miami plus two and a half, says they're even teams, right? Yep. So if I think one team's elite and one team's not, I got to back the Eagles here. They've got one of the best defensive fronts in the league. If they can slow down the run, which I think they can, they slow down the run against everybody, and they can get to the passer without blitzing, which the Eagles do, I think they can do a lot of the things that Buffalo did to that Miami offense. And I think we're getting a good buy low spot on the Eagles coming off a loss to the Jets. The Jets did a good job of limiting Hurts, but the Jets did a good job of limiting Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes too. And then the next week, those dudes went off because they weren't playing against the freaking Jets. So I, I think that this is a, a good spot to, to buy the Eagles a team that I still think, even though they haven't really hit their stride yet, mm-hmm. I still believe in their priors enough to say they are a top team. And we've seen we've seen Miami play one really good team, and what happened? They, they got spanked. The Eagles are in this conversation. I, I think the Eagles could really put a hurting on them. I like the Eagles in the first half because that's all they do is dominate first halves. They are 11-2 and two in the first half money line in the last 13 games. Since the start of last season, 18-4-1 on the first half money line. That's the most first half wins in the NFL in that span. Uh, Jalen Hurts also has an incredible record in night games, 7-1-1 ATS. And we know that Tua prefers playing at home rather than playing on the road. Now, the weather's not going to be bad. It's just it's going to be football weather. But football weather is different from South Beach weather. And I think it has a slight effect on the Dolphins. I think this is a statement game for the Eagles after the loss last week. The Astros were not happy with the roof being open at Globe Life Field last night. And so unhappy that they decided to put up 10 runs on the Texas Rangers and even up the ALCS at two games apiece. It was was interesting because both teams had agreed that the roof at Globe Life Field would remain closed for the entire series. Gentlemen's agreement. Gentlemen's right? agreement. And Dusty Baker even said that they were told that there was an agreement that in both places, Houston and Arlington, roof would be closed for the whole series. But because last night's weather fell within the Major League Baseball guidelines for open roof, which is a temperature between 65 and 80 degrees, relative humidity 50 degrees or higher, so the Rangers, trying a little gamesmanship, said, we're going to open the roof. I'm sure this worked out for them. And then the Astros said, no, you're not. 
We had and a so deal. then Major League Baseball steps in. Major League Baseball steps in when the two teams disagree during the postseason. And because the temperature fell within that designated window, Major League Baseball approved to open the roof. I'll be honest. I feel like whoever the home team is should get to decide if they want their roof open or closed. The Rangers have played 11 games this season with their roof open. They've won seven of them. Both teams averaging 13.7 runs per game with the roof open. And according to uh, Rangers coaches, they believe that the roof adds about six feet of distance on fly balls. I don't know why they would want to open the roof if you had uh, Jose Urquidy and Andrew Haney, who are both fly ball pitchers. Actually, not that fly ball, 31%. That's pretty, that's pretty high, though, I think, yeah. 31%. Clearly... This backfired on the Texas Rangers. Whatever gamesmanship that they were trying to, to to play did not work out as both offenses were on fire to start the game. I think this is more of a, you know, a situation where the Astros have come to Arlington and absolutely obliterated the baseball all season long. Yep. And the Rangers said, we need to tr- figure out something to slow this down. And they thought... We're going to try to screw with them a little bit. Yeah, maybe this works. The and wind, the I don't sky. Think, I don't think it was enough. They may want to try something different today, or it might be the last home game they play this season. Yeah, and uh, the Astros scoring three runs in the top of the first inning. Texas fought back. They scored two in the bottom of the second, one in the bottom of the third. But then in the fourth inning, it was the Astros blowing things open as they had uh, a Jordan Alvarez sack fly, and then Jose Abreu homered off of uh, Bradford. So it wasn't uh, Abreu off To the of, moon, by the yeah, way. It I wasn't mean, off of the starter like we talked about. But he did get a walk late. He did get a walk. Jordan, Domin- Jordan just continues to stay hot. Two Cash for four too. last night with three RBIs. Abreu walked twice in that game. Yeah. I wonder if it was plus 95 for one walk, what oh, could you have gotten for two walks? Plus one million, I think. Right? That's the parlay. That would have been a, you own DraftKings Sportsbook. Yeah, that would that, that would have been a uh, a pretty good same game parlay on Jose Abreu to walk twice. But so now the series is tied at two games apiece. We have Game Five tonight in Arlington, and then Game Six and Seven in Houston. I would imagine Mackenzie that the script has flipped, and the Astros are now favorites. Yes, minus one thirty favorites. Take back on the Rangers plus one hundred five. It makes a ton of sense. We've seen this offense come alive. In the last two games, the 8-5 win in Game 3 and the 10-3 win last night. And now you're looking at Game 5 with Justin Verlander on the hill tonight. I know Jordan Montgomery's been great, but so has Justin Verlander. What's the line on tonight's game? The Rangers are minus 115 favorites. Pretty much pick them, but the Rangers get the slightest of edges by the market. Do we have to make the Astros the dog of the day, AJ? The DraftKings dog of the day? I think we do. I just think the fact that this They're hot right now. The bats are hot. Do you just look at what they've done in Arlington this season? Do you want to fade that? To me, the answer is no. No. I'm mad that I didn't go back to the well with Astros' first five-team total because I did it in game three knowing how much they hit in Arlington, and then I didn't do it last night. And, of course, they score three runs. They they go over there two and a half in the first inning. (laughs) And let's face it, it, it's still – I mean, Christian Javier has been good. But it still feels like the nights that Justin Verlander throws, you've got the best chance of winning if you're the Astros. Yeah. So I, I, I think the Astros are the dog of the day, DraftKings dog of the day. And maybe seeing Jordan Montgomery a second time here is going to be beneficial for the Astros. Now, I know they saw him once in June, but I'm talking about in this postseason. 
So you saw him in in the first game. He went six and a third shutout innings. Maybe now seeing him a second time in this series, benefit goes to the, the hitters, right? The more times you see a pitcher, the benefit so. goes to the hitters. Same thing could be said for for Verlander, who, you know, six and two-thirds of two-run ball against Texas in game one. But one guy is Justin Verlander. Right. The other guy is Jordan Montgomery. So as, as great as Montgomery's been this postseason, I trust the guy that's going to the Hall of Fame in the first ballot, and that's <laughs> Justin Verlander. Yeah. The guy who's so, got an MVP trophy between his his multitude of Cy Youngs. Youngs. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to go with the Astros as the DraftKings dog of the day. The NLCS, Phillies leading two games to one after the Diamondbacks walk off winners in the bottom of the ninth. 2-1 the final yesterday. The Phillies took a one nothing lead. This was an absolute pitcher's duel. Ranger Suarez goes five and a third shutout innings. He strikes out seven, walks one, allows three hits, cash that over 14 and a half outs recorded, cashes over strikeouts. I mean, it was two and a half. Yeah. His strikeout total easy was two work. and a half. That was easy. Struck out two in the first inning. Yeah. Uh, and then Brandon Fodd. What more can you say about this 25-year-old kid who pitched the game of his life last night? Coming off of an incredible start against the Dodgers, he was better. Yesterday against the Phillies, five and two thirds shutout ball, only two hits allowed, no walks, nine strikeouts. And when they took him out to let Safrank face Kyle Schwarber, I was like, oh, no, Tori Lavello, what did you do? Brandon fought. It was the sixth inning. He's at 70 pitches. He is pitching the game of his life. You strike out Marsh. And then you uh, Rojas flew out, and Schwarber's up. I understand he didn't want him to go through that lineup again. But Schwarber walks, and then Trey Turner's up. I, I really thought that Turner was going to do some damage and that this was going to be the turning point. Phil was going to win this game, and then everyone was going to blame Tory Lovello for taking out Brandon Fodd. But it worked out as Turner grounded the fielder's choice. The game continues to go scoreless when Bryce Harper walks in the top of the seventh, and then an infield single for Alec Bohm, a double play by Bryson Stott, but a wild pitch scores the first run of the game as Bryce Harper comes across. And then kudos to the Diamondbacks, bottom of the seventh with Kirkering in the game for Philadelphia. See, this is the question that I have now for Rob Thompson is you went to Jeff Hoffman first out of the bullpen. Why did you go to Kirkering instead of Alvarado? Like, Alvarado came in later, but, like, why Kirkering? And I, I understand, like, you trust your guys, and maybe you have plans for what the lineup's going to look like down the line. I don't like managing that way. Yeah. I, I think that I manage, like, the game is, the game's on the line right now. I, I understand that they're trying to think, like, three moves ahead, right? And you want your lefty up and all that stuff, and you want to position your guys where you're going to position them. And you so you put you bring in Kirkering because of the righty-righty matchup, but I'm sorry, like, I, I would have brought in Alvarado there. I would have brought in my higher leverage guys in that moment. You have a one nothing lead. To me, that's how you secure the win. It's the bottom of the seventh inning. You're up one nothing. So Tommy Pham singles, and then Lourdes Goriel doubles in Tommy Pham. They get out of the inning. It's a 1-1 tie. No one scores in the eighth. Phillies, uh, Bryce Harper walks in the ninth, but they can't bring him around. And then Craig Kimbrell. What is it about closers? that when it's a non-save situation, 
they can't get the job done. It's the same thing, right? Like, don't allow a run. It's a tie game. You lose the game if you allow a run, but yeah. there's something to it. We've seen it so many times where the closers don't get the job done. He walks Guriel, and then an infield single because the way that the defense was playing, shifting, great play by Bryson Stott going to his backhand, sliding, but there was no play at first base. Then you get the uh, out at home, great play. You walk Perdomo to set up a double play, and then Marte with the single to uh, center field. Game-winning run, bang-bang, ball game over, Diamondbacks win 2-1. to one. Phillies are still massive favorites in this series, as they should be. McKenzie, the low price I'm sure is lowered. What is it now? Phillies minus 310, take back on the Diamondbacks plus 250. And what are we looking at for tonight's game? Because tonight's game is very interesting. The Diamondbacks are plus 110 home dogs, Phillies minus 130. Okay. The Diamondbacks are going with a bullpen game. So Joe Mantiply is going to start. And then behind him, probably Ryan Nelson and Slade Chaconi is going to be, I would assume, the guys that back him up. Maybe you eventually get to Seawald, even though he pitched last night. You're going to need him again. Uh, But then it's interesting if he pitches again tonight. Is he available for a third game in a row? We'll see. Uh, But it's an important game. Don't want to go down 3-1. But it's a bullpen game for the Diamondbacks. The Phillies are going to counter with Christopher Sanchez. I thought it was going to be Taiwan Walker. I also thought it was going to be an opener. I thought it was going to be Matt Strom getting the, the, the start as the opener. And then you go to Sanchez or Taiwan Walker. It's going to be Sanchez that's going to start. How short is the leash on him? It's his postseason debut. I, I don't know. I think the decision to go with Sanchez has to be a result of the way that Ranger Suarez just absolutely dominated the, the Diamondbacks and the way that Alvarado's looked against the Diamondbacks, just the way that the lefties have looked. So you throw a lefty in Sanchez and you hope for the best here in this game coming up tonight. Um, Phillies with the two games to one lead, small favorites in the game tonight. Again, bullpen day for the Diamondbacks with Joe Mantiply, the opener. Christopher Sanchez making his postseason debut for the Phillies. We had two games in college football last night. I had an unfortunate loser. I bet over in the Rice-Tulsa game, over 58. We got to 52, and Tulsa said, we're not even going to try. Scott, you were right. We should have bet Rice. 40, you said it outright. 42 to 10. They ended up. Knew this was going to happen. Tulsa, I, said, I said, we're not because we're not betting Rice, <laughs> they're going to win easily. Tulsa took money, too. There were three and a halfs and fours pop up yesterday before the game, and JT Daniels had his way. 342 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, Connors, their running back, ran for 120 and three touchdowns. 120 what, yards on nine carries. Uh, what did uh, Christian McCaffrey's little brother do? Uh, six receptions, 99 yards, and a touchdown. All right, he didn't get over 100, so we don't refer to him by his first name yet. He's still Christian's little brother. <laughs> okay, it works for me. Uh, but Tulsa did not do their part, only putting up 10 points in the game. So the under is good, unfortunately. James Madison continues to be a train i said i'm not going to get in the way of it and thank god i didn't 20 to 9 winners uh at one point this game was three to two in the third <laughs> quarter uh looked like a, a hockey score but it, it was a under a, a, yeah well under james madison though a 20 to 9 winner only one game on the card for tonight smu minus 21 at the DraftKings sportsbook 54 and a half the total against temple and Temple, who knows? It would, EJ Warner didn't play last week. It was a surprise scratch. They got blown out. I want nothing to do with Temple if EJ Warner's not there. 
Uh, but also SMU, I'm not really crazy about laying 21 points on the road with them either. So it's probably a steer clear game for me. I got, I got, I got a little conspiracy theory about this game. Okay. I think the Eagles have paid off Temple. Okay. To do nothing but run the football in this game. Muck up the field. To mess up the field as much as possible so that when they welcome in the Mm. speedy Dolphins on Sunday, Mm. the field is ripped up. You know what? You know what NFL players love these days? Bad field conditions. I hear them all every week like, I just wish our field was a little bit worse. Uh, you know, it's well, just... if your enemy hates it more than you, that's it's true. positive. That's an interesting theory. Remember, remember when Notre Dame let the grass grow yep. before they played USC and Reggie Bush? Yep, smart move. That was the that was the, the Bush Bush game. Bush game. Yep. Yeah, they they let the grass grow. Brady Quinn tells that story, but yeah, they they wanted to slow down Reggie Bush. A couple of big games in college football this weekend. We're gonna hit a couple here. You can go to RJ Bell's Dream Preview feed and hear our entire breakdown of the top twenty-five, as well as a few best bets on our college football pod. We do that every week, but we'll hit some big games starting with the big noon kickoff, which is actually like a big 12-15 Eastern time kickoff, but whatever. Penn State at Ohio State. Ohio State, this line's gone back between four, five and a half, settling in now at four and a half, it looks like. Penn State, a road dog. Total is at 45 and a half, Scott. I like Penn State. I really do. Um, And here's where I actually think I like Penn State more. First half. I think Penn State puts up a number in the first half against Ohio State, and I think that's where you can find Ohio State to be vulnerable. Mackenzie, can you pull up the first half line in this game? Yes, sir. This is where I think that Penn State can be successful against Ohio State. What do you think? I think that Penn State is the more physical team. Uh, I, that's kind of been my thought. That's why I had this game circled. I don't think Ohio State is is physical enough to hang with them. They're banged up right now. I'm a little nervous about what this what this Penn State offense really is. Their offensive numbers look good, but I think they're inflated because they're just beating up on crummy teams. But I do think that the the Penn State offense, which isn't explosive, is efficient enough and doesn't turn the football over enough that they're going to be able to get through this game. I, I don't I don't know if they win, but I don't think they get blown out either. So What's the first half numbers here? You get Penn State plus three. Love it. And what's the total first half? 22. Under. I think this is an under game in so general. So Penn State and Ohio State have combined to allow just about nine points in the first half yeah. this season. It's crazy. Ohio State is a lot. Look at this. The three best first half defenses in college football, Michigan allowing 4.3 points in the first half. Ohio State, 4.6. Penn State, 4.8. That's pretty impressive. Big Ten football, baby. That's it. Tennessee is a nine-point dog at Alabama. Remember, Alabama lost to Tennessee last year for the first time since 2006. Oh, revenge spot. Is it? You said Alabama lost to yeah, Tennessee for like the first you, time. Is that what you, you expect them to be thinking that way? You expect? Yeah. Uh, I, Nick Saban, don't forget. I, I think you're probably right. But to me, it's also... This is a, a a game where Joe Milton is going up against the highest graded secondary unit in in the country, and Joe Milton is not accurate. He, he can throw the hell out of the ball, but he's not accurate. He's just inside the top 100 in EPA. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I think that this is a smash spot for Alabama here. Tennessee far too often this season settling for field goals in the red zone. You can't do that against Alabama. They want to run the ball more. You can't really do that against Alabama either. 
And this is Tennessee's just second road game of the season. Remember the first road game they played? I said, they're going to lose outright at the Swamp. They were favorites going to Florida. I said, they're going to lose outright. And they got smacked by Florida. Now that this is just their second road game, you're going to Tuscaloosa. Good luck, man. I think Alabama rolls here. I agree with you. All right. One last game we're going to look at here on the slate. USC and Utah. Line, a little money on Utah, on USC now. So USC minus seven hosting Utah. Is this a bounce back spot for USC? The only reason why I like Utah is because I feel like everybody's on USC. I feel like the public's going to be on USC. The, how could USC be only a seven-point favorite, right? They're well, so good, and it's a bounce-back spot Why would for the them. public be on USC when they just saw them get embarrassed? Because this is the bounce-back spot. Now okay. they're home, right? They're home against Utah. Utah can't score. Well, they can't. Why wouldn't USC <laughs> blow them out? Well, that's because Utah's defense is legit. And I, I talked about all those defenses in the first half, right? Michigan number one, Ohio State number two, Penn State. You know who's number five? Utah. Yeah. 5.4 points allowed in the first half this season. The Utah defense is going to keep them in this game against USC. And I got to be honest, you know, I mean, RJ yelled at you, AJ, for for bringing up opponents, previous opponents, yeah. when comparing teams, because like, hey, what do you know? Well, the stats are the stats, right? But like, if we're being honest about USC and we completely forget about their name and their uniforms and we just say football team A beat San Jose State, congratulations, beat Nevada, good job. Beat Stanford. Okay. Struggled with Arizona State. Struggled mightily with Colorado. Took three overtimes to win at home against Arizona. With a backup quarterback. And then went to Notre Dame, who lost two straight games to ACC opponents. Right? No, one to Ohio State. And oh, yeah. yeah. To, to, uh, I'm thinking about the Duke game. That was yeah. a miracle win for them. Mm-hmm. But used to lose, uh, lose to Louisville. And then... You get blown out, and I'm supposed to believe that this is like a top 20 team in the country? Yeah. I don't think they're that, but here's the thing. I don't trust Utah away from home, and with no Cam Rising, there's just no offense here. And how how much can you limit this USC offense? Like, at some point, they're going to get some touchdowns. If they get up two touchdowns on Utah, this game is over. You, Conspiracy you, theory. Okay. Caleb Williams is sabotaging himself so he doesn't get drafted. By certain teams. <laughs> okay. I don't buy that. <laughs> I don't buy that either. I think he wants as much money as humanly possible. He said he can stay at USC next year exactly. and make more money. So why not just do as well as you can and then just not be because drafted then, if you want to be drafted? Then it's going to, then he, like, maybe the Broncos are going to draft him or, you know. Like, it's not like the military draft, though. You don't have to just go into the right. draft. So I guess, right. time. And, and once he finds out what the NFL draft order is, then he decides that he's not going to declare for the draft. He could, maybe. yeah. He's making millions of dollars either way. Like I said, for the rest of the games, check out our podcast on R.J. Bell's Dream Preview. One more college football story as Michigan is now involved in an alleged sign-stealing operation. R.J. will love this story. What? <laughs> Michigan cheating? Uh, a football analyst with the Wolverines is a person of interest in the investigation of whether or not Michigan violated rules by scouting future in per- scouting future opponents in person at games. Mm. You can't do that? Not since 19 You can't say, hey, I'm calling my cousin. He went to the game. It's very odd see? that you can't do that. But um, 
Apparently, they... they... But the, the thing here is that they are accusing this person of an elaborate system of stealing opponents' signs. Okay, so it's not just... okay. So it's like he's watching... This is like the Patriots filming practice. Yeah. It's basically... Nothing ever came out of that Bengals it's, it's It's basically watching... <laughs> Mangini. Uh, well, with the Jets, they, 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 they were the ones that... Uh, Called them out on it, right? It was. They're saying that destined to a year of a career of TV. Yeah, after they're, that. they're saying that the, that that this guy or whoever was like, I don't know, recording or, or watching or just looking at the sidelines. You know, when the college football teams they hold up all those mm-hmm. signs and they try, like, yeah, like they, he was. They've been stealing signs since 2021. A Big Ten source is quoted as, "This is worse than both the Astros and the Patriots. Uh. It's both the use of technology for a competitive advantage." And there's allegations that they are filming prior games, not just in-game. If it was just an in-game situation, that's different. Going and filming somewhere you're not supposed to be, it's illegal. It's too much of an advantage. Yeah, so what you're saying is Michigan never beat Ohio State. Apparently that, that not. That streak continues. Apparently not. Sign stealing violates Except NCAA for the, year where the Ohio State kids were getting free tattoos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then uh, it, then throw it was that a, out. It was a draw. <laughs> it says if a team zero, uses zero. electronic equipment to decipher signals and relay the information to players, according to the 2023 NCAA football rulebook, quote, any attempt to record, either through audio or video means, any signals given by an opposing player, coach, or other team personnel is prohibited. Can't do it. Can't do it. Uh, Harbaugh self-imposes a one-game ban, and this is taken care of. <laughs> It'll be right after the Penn State game. <laughs> and it, it's all, everything gets swept under the rug. Huge card on Saturday night, UFC 294. We've had some changes to the card. That doesn't matter. They were able to break, bring in some awesome replacement fights. Alexander Volkanovsky, Islam Mahashev in the main event. Oh, that's a good one. A rematch of one of the best fights we've seen all year. That card, or that, that fight was about as close of a decision as you can get. Now in the rematch, you can get Volkanovski at plus 220. So maybe some value on Volk if you think. Is there uh, a vodka named after him? That's a great name for a, for a vodka. It, Volkanovski. I'm ready to go. It is. What's funny is he's Australian. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. What, all right. But who's fighting not at not their championship weight here? Uh, Volkanovski. Both- Volkanovski's the 145 champ. Yeah. He's fighting up a weight class at 155. Okay. Uh, and then in the co-main event, Hamzat Shemaev taking on Kamaru Usman, the, fir- the former 170-pound champion. Is not the main event. Like, no. Think about that. He's lost two fights in a no. row. He's 36 years old. He's moving up a weight class. It's going to be a tough matchup and for him. He's a monster underdog. He is a huge underdog. For my best bet, though, I'm going to give you Magomed Ankalaev and Johnny Oh, Ankalaev! 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 We're going to go over one and a half rounds here. You can get that at around minus 150. Ankalaev hasn't fought since that split draw with Jan Blahovich for the 205 title back in December. That was the fourth of his last five fights that he saw the scorecards. His output has drastically gone down since his first few fights in the UFC. He was once extremely aggressive. Now... He's more than willing to make things ugly and grimy. Crowds boo. He doesn't care. He uh, First of all, he doesn't understand what anybody's saying. He's, he's just going about his business, wrestling. And here he draws Walker, who at one point was a bit of a berserker. Uh, and he's slowed down some, too, especially against opponents he knows are dangerous. Walker knows if this fight hits the ground, he's dead. So I think he's going to try to employ a range game that Uncle I have certainly going to be comfortable with. I like over one and a half rounds. I expected it to be two and a half rounds, given Uncle Iyev's recent fights. 
getting plus 235 on him to win by decision. May sprinkle a little on that as well. Uh, but I'm going to go that my best bet for this card will be Ankaliyev Walker over a round and a half. All right. Well, uh, I'm going to put in an eight leg parlay. Oh boy, are. that'll hit. And uh, let's just <laughs> congratulations. Say, like, what would five? Rich. Let's see. Five dollars <laughs> would win 117 dollars. I call this the V parlay. If you've got a V in your name, if you if your name ends in V, I'm betting you to win your fight. So we're going with Magomedov. 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 <laughs> Shara Magomedov. We're gonna go with. Muhammad Don Naimov. He's We're going to go with Muhammad Mokov. Mokayev. Saeed Nurmagomedov. Oh, that was pretty close. Ikram Alekarov. 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 He's a, a terror. Magomed Uncle Ayev. Khazmat Khimaev. And Islam Makachev. Okay. We're going with all the V's. The V parlay plus 22.43. Okay. I mean, it's obviously going to hit. <laughs> Is there any one of those fights where you're like, I really don't think that's going to happen? The not, the Nayam the Nayamov is plus two fifty. Everyone else is a favorite. Yeah, he's the, he's the most likely loser. Everyone else is Chuck McKenzie. But after he sees all the V's win, he's going to just feel so inspired. No, he's, like the, he's the he's the second V oh, to fight. Okay, he's not going to know. Listen, be tough. Do, do you guys want? <laughs> he hears this pod, maybe. You, listen, if <laughs> if he a, hears this pod and his translator tells him, like, he may, if the he three of lie. us throw five dollars each, fifteen dollars wins three fifty. Then we'd all be rich. Man. I Perfect. mean, five dollars each, three fifty. That's like a nice meal. Uh, yeah, but it's not going to happen. Caesar's Bacchanal buffet. I can see it already. No, no, no. We would have to go to like some like Russian or Eastern True. European. If restaurant. we all pitched in, that, if we all pitched that. in five bucks, we could just get a pizza and eat guaranteed. <laughs> or pizzas less than twenty dollars now? I don't sure, think so. They're you hot and ready, little Caesars. I guess you're right. You can yeah, yeah, but I want pizza though. <laughs> oh well, okay. <laughs> Then pizza. you're going to have to hit the parlay. But it, it is pizza. <laughs> it's pizza pizza. Zing. <laughs> it finally happened, boys. I said I was going to ride the Bedard shots on goal streak until it burned me. And, and it <laughs> took a flamethrower. Hot, hot, hot. It burned me last night. Oh, man. For the first time in his young NHL career, Connor Bedard does not go over. What do you have, like three shots? shots on goal prop. No, McKenzie. Only three shots? No. Despite 19 minutes and 37 seconds of ice time leading all forwards on the Chicago Blackhawks last night, Connor Bedard had zero what? shots on goal. This dude is nothing but hype. As the Colorado <laughs> Avalanche defeated the Chicago Russell. Blackhawks by a score of 4 nothing, Absolutely. And they lost. Dominant defense by the Chicago Blackhawks. They outshot us uh, by the Avalanche. They outshot the Blackhawks 41-18. Bedard couldn't get like one of those 18 shots. Like, eh, whatever. Uh, so time to maybe not be on the shots on goal prop. Although wouldn't like next game be the time to do it after he has zero? What do, you, what do you think the book does? It was three and a half minus one. I know. What the would, would they go back to two and a half? They can't. What are the odds Bedard is like the Anthony Bennett or the Jamarcus Russell of uh, the NHL? Like, I'm hoping he is. I got that Luke Hughes ticket for the Calder <laughs> Trophy. Yeah, this guy, he's got bust yeah. all over him. <laughs> <I'm> how's, <laughs> how's Luke Hughes doing, by the way? I'm sitting here hoping Luke Hughes can win Luke the Hughes, Calder. Has he played? Luke Hughes broke his leg. He's out for the season. <laughs> no, but don't say that. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> Devils have played three games this year. Uh, Luke Hughes. Uh, Zero total shots on goal. <laughs> no. Zero ice time. <laughs> Zero friends. He does not have a point on the season uh, yet. I hear he's bad in the locker room, too. He's that's got, been hearing, he's hearing, got hearing, two hearing. penalty minutes. Ah, that's not rookie of the year numbers. Come on, okay. man. He's there to help his brother, though. Jack, right. Jack Hughes already with two goals and four assists. Well, is Jack Hughes a voter? Because <laughs> if not, I don't care. Uh, Devils will be on the ice tonight. We'll talk about that game in just a moment. But let's go through what happened last night real quick. The Bruins stay undefeated with a, a victory over the Sharks last night in San Jose. The Sharks remain winless. That is not a surprise on either end of those things. The Bruins being undefeated and the Sharks being winless here early on in the season. Uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, speaking, speaking of, of undefeated. undefeated let's go. Five and oh now, all five wins in regulation. <laughs> Logan Thompson with 36 saves as the Knights defeated the Jets in Winnipeg 5-3 last night. This was a 3-3 game in the third period, but then VGK with a power play goal from Jack Eichel took a 4-3 lead with under five minutes left in the game, and then Nicholas Roy with the empty netter giving VGK the two goals. You know lead. what they call the last five minutes of the game? Winning Nighttime. time. I said nighttime. Oh, yours was probably punnier. Yeah, but. <laughs> it, would, it would have been better if you said nighttime. Yeah. Do you want to start maybe. that again for the listeners? No, let's just roll, no, no, let's let's just roll with I like, no, no, ask I like, me again. I like, this would be our first time. ever edit in SOV. I but like, like ask me again. No, I like winning time. You like nighttime. That's okay. No, but it's like winning time <laughs> is the HBO series about the Lakers, so you can't steal a name there. The Knights are the new Lakers. Yeah, well, let's just, just why don't you do it again? Look, guys, the listeners, no. you, if you're in your car right now and you're listening <laughs> to this podcast, you want to hear AJ do it cleanly, right? Yeah. So do it cleanly. Okay, go ahead. Ask it again. You know what the last five minutes of the game is? No, what? Winning time. Because <laughs> <laughs> we never lost. Yeah. Nighttime. It is nighttime. <laughs> That's the last five minutes of a VGK game. It's nighttime. Uh, the Kraken win their first game of the season. Congratulations, 7-4 over the Hurricanes. I got burned last night on a bet. I wouldn't really call it burned. Um, I had stars minus a goal and a half over the Ducks. They were winning 3-2, had over two minutes of an empty net, could not get the empty netter. It's always fun when you don't get the empty netter. And I started thinking to myself, like, Mackenzie, tell me, tell me, like, mathematically, if it makes sense this way. Uh, is it better to just bet the team in regulation and lay the juice if you're not getting a good enough plus money on the minus a goal and a half? Like, if it's just even money on the minus a goal and a half, am I better off laying the juice on the regulation 60-minute line? Well, there's different teams, different scenarios, different metrics you can look at. But generally, pro bettors gravitate to the minus 150s, minus 180s. Those are generally less expensive because the public better who's betting $5 wants to bet a little and win a lot. So they generally put the VIG more in those those types of markets. Fezzik is like – I used to give Fezzik UFC picks. I still do sometimes. And if I'd say this guy's going to win by decision, this guy's going to win by knockout, he's like – don't tell me that. Just tell me who's going to win. I'd rather lay the juice and yep. not have to worry about so, some yeah, nonsense so if happening. You, if you, like, you, like you, you have a minus 300 favorite. And I'm not talking about minus 300. I'm no. talking about like minus 160. But you have like a minus 290 favorite in the UFC, and you're like, I'm picking him inside the distance at, at even money. Yeah. Or I'm I inside the I distance. That, I do that all the time. At plus 110. And then Fez will say, forget about that. I'm just I'm just laying the 290 and betting him to win. I, 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 I'm, I'm, with you. I'm with you on that. Fez is like that. For me, though, I rarely like to lay more than minus two fifty uh, on a straight up bet, but if it's a if it's a guy who I think is even, yeah, and I want it to go to plus two hundred, sometimes I'll split my bet and do a unit on him just to win and a unit on him to win by X method. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. It's different strokes for different folks. I 
if I want to make a heavy wager, I, I, it's not fun for me to lay minus 250 at th- three units. You yeah, know what I mean, I could have laid 160 last night instead of I took even money. And I was like, ah, even money. It's great. Uh, you know? Last week, in fact, on my UFC card, there was a girl who had literally fought no one in her <laughs> whole life. No. Uh, but this girl, like, she had six wins, and they were all against girls who had zero or one win in their life. Mm-hmm. And it, it was like I, I had to lay minus 350. I've never done it before. And I was like, I'm doing it. I, I put, and it won. It won, of yeah, course. But it's still not comfortable. It's a fight. You know, crazy things happen in fights. Well, I think Crazy I, thing happens in high hockey games. Yeah, I think I learned my lesson. Stars, I should have laid the minus 160 on the 60-minute line um, instead of the minus a goal and a half. They win 3-2 over the Anaheim Ducks. Just a short two-game schedule tonight. It is the Flames at the Blue Jackets with Calgary a minus 140 favorite, and it's the second night of a back-to-back for Calgary. Mackenzie, let's break out the pregame.com database, please, and let's run the query on NHL teams in the short 2023 season, and we'll go back to 2022. But for now, let's start with the short 2023 season, playing on the second night of a back-to-back. What is your straight-up record with zero rest this season? You are three and five. Three and five with zero rest. Minus 4.1 units betting on them. Okay, and uh, let's say you are on short rest this season, and you are a favorite in that game. So three and five overall, what are you as a favorite? One and two. One you're doing two. better as a favorite, but you're doing worse. Okay. Now, what were the numbers last year? All of 2022, second night of a back-to-back with as a favorite. So zero rest and you're a favorite. You're 101 and 68. You're down 20 units. You'd be profitable fading these teams. Interesting. That was last year. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's if you're a favorite yes. on the road. Hmm. Oh, not on the road. Just on a favorite on the second night of a back-to-back. Yeah, and so, it was just as bad for all teams. Yeah, so good straight-up record, but you lost money because you were profitable betting the plus money on the other side. Yes, sir. Hmm. Blue Jackets. Interesting. 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 Devils are at the Islanders tonight. New Jersey is a small minus-120 favorite out on Long Island. The Islanders are 2-0. and to start the short season, a 3-2 win over the Sabres at home in game one, a one nothing win over the Coyotes at home in game number two. What do those two scores have in common, McKenzie? No idea. They've gone under the posted <laughs> total. Tonight's total is six, and if it is Ilya Sorokin that was in a good guess, net, though, <laughs> that is something to pay attention to because when Sorokin plays at home, there is few goaltenders better than All right, him. let's not bury the lead. Everyone wants to know, are the Devils going to get anything out of Hughes this season? Like, anything. Well, Jack Hughes, yeah, he's got six points, <laughs> two goals and four assists. No, Luke Hughes. Oh, Luke. Luke. Yeah. McKenzie, he's the Trey Lance of the NHL. <laughs> All right. So, he's got potential. He's only 21. He's, he's getting traded to the Stars next week. <laughs> Sorokin's record at home, 33-15-7, and seven, a 9.33 save percentage, a 2.0 goals against average at UBS Arena. Might look towards the under between these two teams. Maybe the Islanders make it three straight unders to start the year. If you guys want to follow along with the NHL season, we have an incredible offer available for you for my NHL season. So right now, my NHL All Access is discounted up on pregame.com. If you go to pregame.com, buy picks, you want to buy my NHL season All Access. I'm 12-4 and to start the season. Still pretty darn good, right? Uh, 12-4 and record. If you want my entire season, it's up on pregame.com right now for $349. 
that's that's what is it now? It's October. You get October, November, December, January, February, March, April, May, June. That's a lot of time for $349. Possibly somewhere in the 14-year range. But for you, the listeners of Straight Out of Vegas AM, you can get it for $299. Use the promo code SHOT50. SHOT50 will save you $50 on my NHL season all access. This is the best we're going to do for you. It's a dollar and ten cents a day. This is the best we're going to do for you. You think you can profit a dollar ten cents a day going twelve and four? It's the best. absolutely. It's the Let's best deal it. you're going to get. Yeah. Remember in uh, No uh, No Country for Old Men? It's the best deal you're going to get. He said, "What What am I flipping for? What am I calling for? Everything. What do I stand to lose? Everything. It's the best deal you're going to get. This is the best deal you're going to get. Shot fifty will save you fifty dollars." Off of my NHL season, all access again, 12 and 4 record to start the season. I have plays six of the seven days a week. Yeah. Five at the very least. You take off for the Sabbath? No, I just. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't got one. On a random, on a Wednesday when there's only two games on the schedule. Okay. If I don't like anything, I'm not going to force it. All right. Yeah. But Discipline. Yeah. But at least five to six days a week, I will have plays. Some weeks I'll have seven days a week. So that's a play every single day. It's pretty good. And some days you're going to have more than one. Most days. Yeah. Yeah. So Shot 50 will save you $50 off the NHL season all access. Just $2.99 is your price using the promo code SHOT50. With the NBA season around the corner, no one better than Mackenzie Rivers to purchase for your NBA season-long package. And the Beat Steve Fezzik NBA contest is open, and you are allowed to enter right now at pregame.com. Can Mackenzie enter? I cannot. Oh, it's garbage. But everyone else can enter for <laughs> free. Like me? Yeah. Okay. I actually think I, you cannot as well. It's, well, uh, Scott said everyone else. else. It's, it's <laughs> officially well, said everybody. it on a microphone, Don't so it's got to be true. <laughs> it is free to enter at pregame.com. Just go to pregame.com, click on contests, find the Beat Fezzik NBA contest, and it is your chance to win up to $1,000 cash if, if you just beat Fezzik. It's as simple it's as that. Easy enough. Yeah, Mackenzie does it. So beat Fezzik <laughs> at pregame.com. The contest is free to enter. Click on it now. For Mackenzie Rivers and AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas AM. <laughs>